Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two, and we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler-free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, it's apparently Halloween, and we're watching Season 6, Episode 6, all the way. Make sure to subscribe to hear all the Buffy content and give us a rating. I'm your host, Dennis St. John. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves with your favorite Halloween treat? Oh, hi. My name is Travis. Um, I've seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My favorite thing, my favorite Halloween candy or treat is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I could eat like 100 and yeah. be like, yeah, I need to have some left over. But yeah, so Reese's PC Cups, divine. Hi, my name is Michael. I've only seen Buffy up to season six, episode six all the way. And my favorite Halloween treat is dark chocolate. Whoa, you all sophisticated. That's, that's not a treat. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough sugar in it. It's made of sugar. It's partially made of sugar. All right, it's got a low sugar content. I also would like to give an honorable mention to candy corn. Um, You're the only one. Yeah, put circus peanuts on that list too. <laughs> What about Rice Krispie Treats? Okay, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. I'll raise the roof for Rice Krispie Treats. That's not a Halloween candy. Candy corn. They found a way to package Rice Krispie Treats. They're they're available in Halloween mode now. All right. Uh, So we don't have any reactions this week. So we're going to jump into the summary for the episode that's probably best known as the episode before the musical. The Summary. It's Halloween at the Magic Box, a perfect day for announcing an engagement. Willow tunes up the celebration with some magical decorations, while meanwhile, Dawn lies about going to a friend's place so she can meet up with some cool older boys, Justin and Zach. The two boys manage to kill an old man and steal a car without revealing the truth. They're teenage vampires. Willow argues with Tara about the tactical use of magic to locate Dawn, and Giles and the rest of the Scooby gang arrive just in time to stop the vamps. Don kills her first kiss, and the episode ends when Willow casts a spell on Tara to forget they ever fought. Let's do... <laughs> Great Lines. Great Lines. Uh, I liked when Buffy said um, she was helping out at the magic shop, She's, and they told her to get some mandrake root. And she's like, don't blame me if we have the same conversation over and over and over again. She goes down into the magic shop basement. Nice little callback. And uh, from that same scene where, you know, Don is asking uh, Anya about her costume. Shouldn't you have wings? You're an angel, right? Oh, no. This is a special kind of angel called a Charlie. We don't have wings. We just skate around with perfect hair fighting crime. That's a good ja- that's a good g- gag. Uh, I picked uh, this back and forth between Buffy and Don, where she's like, "You." This starts with Buffy. You were parking with a vamp. I didn't know he was dead. Uh, undead. Oh, like you've never fallen for a vampire. Plus, we just met. You <laughs> just met, and we're parking with a boy you just met. <laughs> a lot of back and forth. Um, <laughs> That was like such a good scene. Like it, that whole whole sequence where it's like all the tension gets diffused when Buffy and the gang show up because it's like, oh, they're gonna deal with this, and like everything in that, all the anxiety I have goes away immediately, and I love all the jokes in that scene. It's great. Yeah, I like um, yeah, I like badass Giles in that scene. Also, it's nice to see him be tough every now and then um so before we jump into weird notices and trivia i'll give you guys the kill count for the episode the kill count one juvie crime spree two humans seven vampires including a car decapitation and don's first dusting 
All right, now let's go into the weird notices and trivia. Weird noticings. Uh, so I just thought it was interesting that in the season two Halloween episode, Xander was bullied by a pirate, but now he is a pirate. Growth? I don't know. Something oddly satisfying by knocking out that pirate. <laughs> Uh, there was a peanuts reference. Yeah. In this uh, in this episode, to the great the great pumpkin episode, right? Is that what it's called? The great pumpkin. Yeah. Charlie Brown. The great, great pumpkin. It's the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Okay. I uh, it's nice. Uh, Willow and Xander watch uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Zan- mm-hmm. uh, Spike watches uh, the Charlie Brown Halloween special. So I think it's up to maybe Tara to watch uh, the Thanksgiving special. <laughs> But I, I do want to point out that Peanuts is more than just, uh, you know, the holidays. Peanuts is all the <laughs> So Don is stealing from the magic shop after Willow gets distracted by the candy cane kid. Or so candy corn baby. Um, so what is she stealing? I mean, is this something we know? That's like a dra- dragon coin. I have a little picture of it if you scroll down. Oh, let's look at it. I, I Just because I'm like, uh. this is going to be important, obviously. But then it didn't come up in this episode, so I mean, I'm just sowing the seeds of future predictions here by bringing this up. Yeah, it looks like she's stealing something. And in general, if you're going to be stealing, you probably don't want to be stealing from the magic shop, right? God, no, hell no. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the second time we've seen her do some stealing, right? I remember us talking about it before. I mean, she's definitely broken into the magic shop with Spike before and messed oh, with stuff. Oh yeah, maybe that was it. I mean, so they, you know, they implicitly stole, even if it wasn't explicitly stealing. I think breaking in is a form of stealing. Breaking in to go through shit. Um, but, you know, I'm not a judge. Did she steal something from Xander? Or did she steal, like, some... Money? Oh, yeah. She stole earrings from Anya at, at Xander's apartment. Also, this gets brought up, and I don't know if this is brought up before, there are tunnels beneath the magic shop. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, really connected. Like, there's a door to a tunnel. This is, a, this, this is this is totally new information, but they okay, it's new information. Totally good because like it off like it's like common knowledge. It's like uh, Spike borrowing a trick from Angel because yep. Angel's always getting around through the tunnels, <laughs> all those tunnels in Los Angeles. Except I believe that a major city might have tunnels, yeah. but I don't believe that Sunnydale has tunnels for traveling for you know, undead characters. When Spike is like walking around the tunnels, he ever runs into like a duplicate of himself in a red suit with like scissors us us reference oh i haven't seen it yet oh looking forward to it (laughs) a blank stare for me i'm like what oh okay oh is this a modern film uh we're i'm sorry we're watching a tv show from 99 or 97 so uh hey we just watched a modern horror movie so give us a little credit Spike totally asked Buffy to have sex with him in this basement scene, <laughs> but it gets passed off as like, oh, asking about patrolling, right? Yeah. You want to do a tumble or something like that? Rough and tumble. Rough and something. tumble. Yeah, clearly it's a sex reference, but because yeah. he's British, he can get away with this kind of thing. To quote Oz, you've really mastered the single entendre. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's kind of a fun moment, obviously hinting at future sexual escapades that they'll be having, or previous ones since they've had sex before. Um I mean, she, she's only if you count the robot Buffy as Buffy, right? Oh, I guess. Oh, they didn't. They didn't have sex when they had the magic, whatever the something blue oh. episode. Do people not expect say that as a sex episode? <laughs> well, they weren't married yet. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How could they have had sex? They're not married. Never mind. But it Futures. does seem like like their relationship is a lot different this season than it had at least so far than it has been in previous seasons. Like not only like, are we getting like that? She's only comfortable around him now, but like, she's not even really like beating him up or is like appalled by the shit she's that he's saying. It's completely undeserved. This character shouldn't exist, but it is fun. Yeah. (laughs) I did enjoy spike this up. Buffy thinking Xander is talking about marrying Don. Legit weird. Yeah. (laughs) So creepy. And, uh, yeah, people who read the Buffy continuation comics will probably have something to say about that, but we're not counting those. Oh, no. Does Xander marry Dawn in the continuation? Continuation, you mean Series 7, Series 8? Yeah, like 8 through 12 or whatever, however long Oh, whoa. Jeez. 
All right. Even I stopped reading it. And you seem like a fan, sir. <laughs> you seem like you read comic books. You seem like a guy who reads comic So after uh, the, like, I guess Xander announces the engagement and they're going to have a party back at uh, Buffy's place. Did anyone else think that Willow's magical party decorations were just okay? Like, not as spectacular as you'd expect for magic direct decorations. Like, they were just above, like, um, you know, like, slightly prepared. Yeah. I, it's... <laughs> but also, I, see, I I don't decorate. So, I mean, I'm, I'm totally shit-talking here. Like, I don't... I, I'm, my decorations, our decorations for, like, holidays are, like, a wreath. A wreath. We like to do a holiday wreath. And then maybe one decoration. That's like, but we don't, because we don't want to be decoration people. So like, also who has engagement decorations? What would those even be? So, I mean, I think it's like, it's passable, but also I was like, I was kind of underwhelmed by the magical, because they do this like transformation effect and you're like, that's not a big change. There's the balloons and sparkly things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They didn't put the effort into this, this episode. It's like, uh, do you ever go over to somebody's house who has like already has like their lights set up that they can change color at any point? And like, all right, it's a party. We're turning on the blue lights. You know, it's cool, but it's low effort. <laughs> <laughs> low effort. There we go. Yeah, it seemed like it was like so unimpressive. It felt like Willow should not get in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. If there was I like do. a fountain and like dragons flying around the house. Yeah. But, but like, you know, this... to be fair, they didn't know what those decorations were going to look like when they <laughs> wrote this and shot it and everything that was like the effects folks you know that's like the last part of the episode to be done wait um, so you're like, defending the actors lack of information about their motivation <laughs> yeah i mean for all we know they could have been reacting to something wild and insane right oh like a description before like the studio effects team got underbid by the by the uh, computer team that made mist yeah. Like, you, know, like, <laughs> you know, the people who made Independence Day, we're going to make, the, we're going to do our decorations, but. Oh, whoa. We, yeah. Are you saying the Mist team would do less good a job? Well, I'm just saying, you know, you know, versus a movie house, like versus like a computer. But the Mist, the Mist was ahead of its time. I would just, that's just a. <laughs> we wouldn't have lost thing. if it wasn't for Mist. <laughs> So I think Tara loses this argument then. I mean, yep. in part because the lack of, like, the spectacularness of the, the uh, you know, the party um, kind of decorations. But her plan, her argument is that she shouldn't be using, like, practical magic, like, just, just for fun magic. And then I think Willow's argument is that magic is, her magic is sustainable and biodegradable. Uh, and, like, Tara's like, oh, but you should do it naturally. Because, just because, right? Because you shouldn't have superfluous uses of magic, right? And, like, there's been this conversation about magic so far in this show, but uh, this is, like, this is a, such a iffy argument because, like, I'm into the fun impractical uses of magic, though at the same time, like, I know it's... I understand it's dangerous for Willow to just play around in the world of magic that could inadvertently hurt people. So, I mean, I get where Tara's coming from, but she totally loses this argument, like... Willow, like, just kills it with sustainability, biodegradable, also, like, instantaneous. Like, how, how do you win with that? It's like, I, oh, like, she introduced the idea of almost, like, oh, it's like recycling. Like, she just introduces, like, an environmentally sustainable idea. You're like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I, I really like Tara and Giles sharing a, like, look of, like, they're the adults in the room kind of look. Um, I feel like this is, like, you know, when you're, you have an argument coming, but then you pick the wrong, like, moment to bring it up. Like, if she waited and only brought it up when Willow was, like, about to erase everybody from existence at the bronze, like, that's a good use of, like, you're using extreme magics. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just, like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a relationshipy thing of, like, like, I just picked the wrong moment to create this argument, and I, I picked a losing argument by accident. But, like, oh, like it, overall, like, in the larger sense, like, Tara's right of, like, Willow's using magic too much, right? Um, totally. And then, like, the Logan's Run spell or whatever it is to reduce, like, eliminate everybody of a certain age. Like, that's crazy. And, like, and that's, that's totally, you're right. That's totally the right time to call it out. But this is, like, come on. Yeah, choose your, pick your battles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to pick your battles. I think it takes a while to learn how to pick your battles, right? 
I don't know if this is a battle anybody wants to fight me on, but uh, Dawn looks great this episode. Also, I, I don't know what's different about her that I'm noticing. Like, I just they they pulled it out for the makeup to make her look uh, like more attractive or whatever. Like they really dolled her up to look more adult this episode. Like, and I don't know how old she, the actress is, Michelle Trachtenberg is, but like she's about as tall as Anya on, with, and Anya's wearing skates, right? And like, <laughs> yeah, she's tall. And I think that's where you first notice it early in the episode. You're like, whoa, Don's looking more mature this episode. And so I don't, I, I, you know, I couldn't describe the makeup differences, like what's going on there, but if, or if she's just naturally aging or whatever into the role. But man, they really, it was very evident that she I was the, the focus on the, the episode. The actress is still um, underage. Just to... Oh, no, sure, totally. But I, they clearly like have changed the makeup, changed the look. Um, yeah. And it was oh, yeah. very, did, very successful. Yeah. Oh, so she's wearing a Hello Kitty shirt this uh, episode. Uh, Hello Kitty, very popular. And uh, her friend this week we meet is Amber Tamblin, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about Amber Tamblin too much. Uh, what is there deal? to say about she Amber? Familiar. She was yeah, she's an actress. She was on um, that show Joan of Arcadia, which was a show my mom watched every episode of. Um, she is the daughter of Russ Tamblin, who played Doctor Jacoby on uh, Twin Peaks, and so I'm more interested in her dad. But, um, <laughs> she's also married to David Cross, the comedian David Cross. Uh, and uh, oh, she is, yeah. She's in some other stuff. I'll, I'm gonna bring her up for the recommendations. Uh, uh, so I, th- but I thought it was funny that back in the high school seasons, the Scoobies would use the trick that they called the round robin. The like, uh, and now they're falling for it, man. It's like, uh, you know, you live long enough, you f- you forget these old tricks. Yeah, it's weird. That is such a trope, right? But it's yeah. So it shows just, you know, I mean, for season six of the show, the characters are a lot older. They're like, you know, it's interesting now where they're the adults. They're throwing engagement parties and stuff. And then, like, the kid sister is, like, doing the shit that they did in season one and two. Tech, they're probably 20, right? This is, like, the sophomore year of college. They did Yeah, one. so they're, like, 20 or oh, 21. Season four was the first year of college. Season five would have been the second year? Yeah. Okay, oh, so, so this is, yeah, their junior, junior year. year. Okay. If they're I mean, still guess, in college. I guess people do get engaged in their junior years. I mean, this was filmed 20 years ago. It was probably more common, but it's like, man, you really don't know what's going on at that age to get engaged. Yeah. It does really right. feel like they aged the characters up last season and this yeah. season, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to really picture these characters as like 20 and 21, partially because like the actors are like... Don't look at all that <laughs> <laughs> showing their age a little more than they used to, you know? Um, yeah. I, I'd rather think of these as just adult characters at this point. And I feel like that's what the show wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. They're still obviously hedging the age, you know, they're living between two worlds. Right. Cause I just, I appreciated Xander's childish response to the conversations about their, his future with Anya. And it's like, she's of course been thinking about like, Oh, you know, She's very practical about uh, babies and about, you know, getting a house and getting new cars. I think new cars is a little bit extreme, but the house and babies, those are all really rational things to discuss. <laughs> but like, and new cars is whatever. I like but, how uh, you feel like cars are the line. Well, there's, they're superfluous, I would think, if they don't already have oh, cars. you're looking gosh. at cars right now. Hey, like, <laughs> this show speaks this just, to me uniquely. This is just triggering him. This is just triggering Mike. Like they live in California, they have to own a car. They don't own. They don't live in a city that has mass transit. But getting married doesn't mean you have to have new cars. Well, do they you even know, own a car? I think. I think Anya is still uh, basing her life on the game of life, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> do, you don't get a new car when you get married. In, in life, I haven't played. Game you are of life. in a car. Like that <laughs> You're is. You're in a car the whole time. You just fill it up with little pegs. But you don't, you know, graduate to a new car. Anyway, I just, that's the only thing that part, that part of their, her future planning, which is broken to me, but also she's a child as well and hasn't, you know, she's a a very naive and interesting demon character. But for Xander to be like completely overwhelmed, like it is, it is both like predictable and I I was appreciative that they had that moment, but also I was like, oh, of course, of course Xander's overwhelmed by all this stuff. Um, And I think I've, I had that feeling too when I got engaged. 
afterwards, like the, the conversations that come next, which are like yeah. instantaneous. You're like, you did that. So now <laughs> uh, all these other life plans need to be made immediately. Even though I've been, you know, living with my girlfriend for 10 years at that point. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad when folks get married that everybody around them starts asking them about babies. I'm like, leave them alone. I will never ask a friend who just got married about babies. Not going to happen. Not from this guy. <laughs> but setting a wedding date, totally realistic thing to be talking about. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, man, when we meet uh, the Don and Amber Tamblyn's uh, dates, these teen delinquents... They're such little punks and so bad at it. They remind me of uh, Mike and Bobby from Twin Peaks. Um, but, like, even, like, weaker sauce than them. I mean, do you like that cut where it's, like, I guess Ambler Chamblin's character is like, what do you guys want to do, right? And, like, hinting, like, they're just going to have sex in this playground or something like that. <laughs> and then, like, they cut to them. What is it, like, just... Yeah, egging do, a do, decoration. Yeah, yeah egging houses? And cutting tires. Mm. <laughs> oh, they weren't even, they were just letting the air out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which is nice. I mean, it's better to do that. I mean, it would have been great if they vamped up and bit the tires. That would have been. <laughs> 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 but their, their like, plan is to eat these girls, right? So then this is all just. We don't know that yet. <laughs> okay. Well, we know it in retrospect. Yeah. So yeah. all this stuff is just, like, just distraction I for the girls. Got, I think they got bit when they're at when they were at this mm-hmm. dumb age and these yeah. are the things they genuinely like like doing as vampires <laughs> yeah consequence free egging i mean is that is the the one one dude wearing a classic letterman jacket like yeah. i mean when were these guys vamped like 50 years ago <laughs> like i have no idea it yeah I, like they were just weren't they didn't it feel like they were just turned like they were so stupid at it yeah because i think they still go to high school right yeah yeah, they were in high school. I've seen you at parties, and listen, I guess that doesn't mean they go to high school, but they seem yeah. like they go to high school. Or did. They can always, I guess, just claim they go to a different school, but he's wearing like a Sunnydale Letterman jacket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, they're freaking idiots. I mean, you could see through that ruse pretty quickly, right? If it was like, how come I don't see you at school? <laughs> like, That's oh, can't be, there, can't be there at big school. Yeah, nice one. <laughs> okay, so the old man gets the setup. Uh, yeah. What's his name? It's like I, can't. I didn't write it down, but I like that old man setup. He's like such a spooky old weirdo, and he's into the toys. Um, he ri- reminds me of that old guy in uh, Blade Runner. You know the guy who built the the runners or whatever. Yeah. So from the setup of the episode, from the cold open, we assume this old man is gonna something with the toys is gonna happen. They're gonna be trapped in toy world. He's holding a butcher knife. Then they're going to get stabbed to death. Like, no idea, right? Just, like, general, like, a bunch of creepy things tossed in. All these tropes from horror films. So, like, I'm like, okay. Looking forward to seeing this old man uh, get get his. Whatever it is he needs, right? And so when they go to the old man's house, like, the setup's really good. Because you're assuming the old man is going to, you know, trap and eat the kids somehow. And, like, become a storybook villain. But, man, when he... It's just it, instead it's the deeply it's the like the saddest turd right yeah. in that story and it like it hurts so much emotionally which is a weird feeling to have and this fake out feeling where the old man he's like I got a special treat for you guys and he says it in a creepy way and it's literally rice crispy treats and so when is it Andrew the name of the vampire I can I can't remember the name of the vampire but when Letterman Jacket when Letterman Jacket kills Can kills we call the him old Mike and Bobby. Yeah, Mike and Bobby, it's fine. Yeah, so when Mike and, when uh, the old man gets killed by one of the vamps, just like, fu- just fucking heartbreaking. I, I love all the tension. I, What's that? I, I, I so identified with the old man. I'm like, oh, this is going to be me someday. <laughs> like a fringe character walking around out of time, out of place. Yeah, and, I sh- and as I've gotten older and more into my hobbies, like <clears throat> when they're like, look at all these toys this old guy has, I'm like, don't make fun of my toys. <laughs> Don't make fun of my Godzilla. Roar! <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> That's the saddest part of this episode, and it was so painful to watch. And it was interesting flipping expectations, so that was accomplished, but at such emotional consequences. <laughs> I felt manipulated. 
you know, as, as sad as that was, I was like reacting a little bit more just to the like the random carjacking homicide. <laughs> I got oh. triggered me because I was like, wow, life is so not precious that like a character you've never seen is just killed yeah, really. for their car. And also like, how do you hang out with people and then all of a sudden they have a car? <laughs> yeah, they, if they had a car this whole time, why were they walking this whole time? It, it was just like, and did, I was just like, no, that's. That's such a red flag. It did take me back, though, to, like, back when having a car was, like, a wow instead of, yeah. like, just a thing that everybody needs. You got a car? Yep, just that precious time in high school, before, you know, when some people have cars and some people don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, I decided while watching this, I don't like seeing Don make out. Like, maybe it's because the scene, it wasn't just, like, a kiss. It was, like, a full-on make-out scene. I was like, I don't like seeing this underage actress making out. It's weird. No. Well, do you like seeing Xander and Anya make out? I love it. <laughs> I don't think anybody likes to see making out. Making out is boring. Yeah. It's yeah. weird and gross oh, to watch. Was this the episode with uh, Giles cleaning his glasses? I totally yes, forgot to yes, use it was. that as a quote. That was an excellent moment. Is that why you clean your glasses so you don't have to see what we're doing? <laughs> Tell no one. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I mean, no. just watching making let's out is make, weird. Let's make it out on TV in general. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird because the vampire was into the making out, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. he doesn't make his move then. And then he takes all this time. And, like, I get on, on camera that reads as tension because it's like we're anticipating it and we get to anticipate it longer. But, like, they're literally... Like, we're just watching what is, a I guess, a delightful makeout sequence, just anticipating the moment when, you know, Dawn's going to get her face bitten off. <laughs> it was good tension. I was worried for Dawn. Yeah. These guys would kill an old man and steal, kill someone to steal a car, all while keeping that information from the girls that they're, you know, going to be playing with. Like, this is a great classic vampire episode. It's how it yeah. feels. Yeah. And, you know, we don't see that very much anymore because we've gotten so big. It's funny, like, I believe Amber Tamlin not, not picking up that it's a vampire, but, like, you'd think Don would have some, like, <laughs> some suspicions, but no. Um, so when they go searching for Don, uh, Willow and uh, Tara end up in the bronze, and it's, like, the first time we've been in the bronze, like, since forever. Like, I don't remember the last time we were here. I missed the bronze. It was nice to see it again. And it's funny, also... Willow being like, yeah, this is where I'd go if I was 15. Well, not me. But it's like, you went there all the time when you yeah, were 15. Yeah. <laughs> it was your hangout spot. I also like the idea of like, like when you get older, like people do, oh no, people are going to do what I did when I was a kid. And it's like, no, no <laughs> one cared like what you did as a kid. They're Kids not have internet now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Willow's spell also so insanely dangerous sounding. Like, like, one of the biggest magics in the Buffyverse is, like, dimension shifting. And she was just going to casually shift, like, most of the patrons into another dimension. Like, so many things could go wrong. And that's a, that's a finding spell, too, right? Just to, find like, yeah. shift, people, shift people of a certain age out so they could see the younger people who were there. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be a cheaper spell that does that also. Yeah, really. That's a good call. Like, just use, like, some sort of Tinkerbell. You have the Tinkerbell spell, right? I don't know. Yeah, just make Dawn ring like a bell. I mean, and produce a bell noise or something. Make her body glow. I don't know. Something silly. <laughs> yeah, it's like bringing a nuclear weapon to a gunfight. Witches. Friggin' witches. And so... Part of the searching, Buffy busts, busts into Spike's crypt, and he has finished watching uh, Charlie Brown's uh, Charlie Brown Halloween. He's watching uh, Night of the Living Dead. Uh, we can see it clearly, and um, because of copyright accidents, uh, misfiling or whatever, uh, Night of the Living Dead is public domain, and so that's why so many shows can just play it. You know, <laughs> excellent Halloween choice. It's definitely going to be on TV on Halloween. <laughs> So you can tell, you can see it totally hurts Don's feeling feelings uh, when the vampire thinks she's special because of her sister. She's like, for once, I thought this wasn't going to be about my sister. She also just like, I mean, I guess she knew this guy a little bit, but she just hooked up with him. Like, I feel like she should not be that attached to him, to be quite honest. But it still is disappointing. Like, I, I don't doubt it, but I'm like, 
You just hooked up with him. Yeah. Also, don't ever trust a guy who's like, you're not like other girls. There's something special yeah. about you. Oh, my gosh. That's like, yes. That's a red flag. That is a red flag. And also, flag. never kiss a boy on the first date. Never kill a boy on the first date. Oh, never kill a boy on the first date. Also, <laughs> applicable. She did. Uh, so, um, that human couple, when there's like all those vampires surrounding, and Buffy's like, did anybody come here to make out? And there's like a human couple. The guy in that group, that looked like Jesse, right? Do you know if it was Jesse? <laughs> He's, um, uh, you look confused, Mike. He was the friend in the very first episode of Buffy who got vamped. Who the yeah, setup. yeah, yeah. Never forget Jesse. I'd have to see a screen grab, but that that'd be I worth checking. I should have done a screen grab. I was you watching on DVD. You need a printer. You need <laughs> to just pause and then print. It's I'll easy. Take a photo of my TV. Well, that, that's easier. Yeah. So, Dennis, you're uh, you're an expert. How did <laughs> how did slamming a vampire into a car door make him die? Uh, decapitation. Okay. It's an awesome death. No, it was impressive. It's also like it go like they stake like a bunch of vampires really quick, and then she has like a really hard time with that one. And you think he's gonna get decapitated with the car antenna, and then like it goes all the way to car door. That's a really messy fight scene because like the vampire kicks through the side window of the pass of the passenger door, and then like his that would terrify me because I think I would think my foot would get stuck and then I would be like bloodied up by all the glass. But then it's all this. Obviously, it's like fake movie glass. But also, I don't know if like car doors are set up to be like movie glass. I do not believe they are. Uh, you just assume like you hit us. <laughs> so people can escape more easily. But anyway, like his whole leg goes through and then he kind of pulls it out and then goes through it, you know, and like that would just cut you up so much, I would think. Yeah. But I mean, it happens all so fast, you know. <laughs> Did you ever read uh, Lisa Hanawalt did a comic review of um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? She cause she points out that like the apes keep jumping through glass in it, and she's like, it must feel good to them. They must shower with glass. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. But that that whole fight scene is amazing, and just in part because it's the, the tension just gets released because you know the whole gang is there to protect Dawn. And you're no longer concerned about her and her friend. And so you just get to basically enjoy a fight scene. And literally, like, you do that part where the human couple, whatever, that gets let go. Like, you guys, (laughs) you know, you guys can run off or whatever. Like, that's delightful. And it's all really understated, too. I mean, that's just the best kind of fight scene for me. Um, This feels like a season one fight fight sequence. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Good good guys win. And they're really good. Like, they really kill a lot of vamps. Like, Giles, like, takes on two vamps himself or something. Yeah. And like, Giles, I like Giles' really well. like, little, like, badass moment where he's like, son, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and even Spike gets a fun moment, right, when he's yeah. beating on a vampire, right? And yeah. the guy's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this, right? Spike's like, take the night off. It's Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> And then Dawn kills her first boyfriend. Yeah. So sad. Does she stab him with a pencil? Did, did you guys she has like an arrow or something. Oh, an arrow. Yeah. Okay. That makes Who sense. Who knows where she stole it? <laughs> I think it's one of Spike's arrows, but I don't know where. When Is she this Dawn's did. first kill? I think so. You always remember your first kill. Oh, my God. Shiver me timbers. So it's a strong sexual metaphor, right? Then your first kill. It's like losing your innocence. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I guess <laughs> first big heartbreak. Right? Oh, so uh, Travis, what do you think about Giles dadding up at the end of this episode uh, when Buffy like kind of ditches Giles to like, exp- I guess, to teach Dawn a lesson? We need to have a conversation. I mean, it, it was a, probably a pretty good. That's a pretty good dad line. I think <laughs> we need to have a conversation. Yeah. But oh, you're so like, disappointed in me. I bet. Hmm. I don't know. It was okay. I mean, I think it's more about you Buffy know, not doing it. Yeah. About Buffy not doing it, which I like understand a lot from this. Like back in season back before she died, she was pretty ready to take on the mom role. But like, you know, shit's changed now. I feel like, you know, 
obviously we're going to get into this more this season, but coming back from being dead is hard. <laughs> uh, people got to be giving Buffy a little more slack than they give her, I think. Oh, yeah. Plus, like, you got to have different relationships with different people. Like, right now, you know, she probably can't have that ultra-authoritarian parent parent role with Don. I mean, I'm just, I'm just you know, spitballing here. But, like, it's understandable that she doesn't want to be the super-authoritarian, like, all the rules, right? Because in a, a normal parenting, like, one parent has, like, some rules and the other parent has, you know, also enforces rules, like, ideally, right? So it's not like one person coming down on you. So, I mean, Buffy comes down on Don a lot. Yeah. So it's like she just wants another parent figure to come down on her too. Right? Cuz she's she has a lot of rules. You know, she tries her best. Yeah. That's a tough one. I I do like I mean, it's a very informal this mom dad thing with, you know, Giles and Buffy. So it's it's fun to see that scene, but it's also yeah, it's just felt a little bit weird like I felt like Buffy was giving up some responsibility to Giles. And I know you were complaining a few episodes ago how Giles needs to dad up or like, you know, he shouldn't have left in the first place. So he, cause he'd be around and be a better father figure. And so it seems like he's naturally filling that role, right? Like clearly Tara and Willow, neither of them are like in a place currently to do any kind of, uh, moral, um, give any moral direction to anyone about what they should and shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Like Giles isn't the best place to do that. But it was just a, it's just strange, like, to see this parental, it's basically a parental scene playing out, and, like, it's kind of beyond role-playing now. Like, Giles is dad, period. And, like, that scene really made it clear that Giles is dad. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't mind that, but it was just, it's interesting to see that happen. Well, and you could tell Giles reluctantly stepped into that, right? He wanted that to be Buffy's role. I, and you, throughout the episode, you could see, like, Buffy is looking around for support instead of like being the authority herself. She's like, can somebody, you know, can somebody else pick this up and nobody's doing it? Um, I mean, Giles has the other dad moment, right? Where he gets the phone. Oh, what? She, I thought she was, oh, it's great to hear from you. Oh, she's not <laughs> at your place. Right. And then turns down the music and like, let's yeah. people know, Hey, serious shit's going on. Like I, it's just interest. It's interesting that this responsibility figure is so needed. That everybody just wants to be irresponsible. Ugh. But I like Giles' dad. It's it's a fun, weird character. <laughs> and then, of course, it brings us to the end of the episode, which has the most effed up thing that's happened, uh, where Willow man- magically manipulates Tara to win and an end an argument over whether or not she should be using magic superfluously with the forget spell. And, like, that's demented. Yep. I'm, yeah. I'm deeply I mean, bothered by the end. This welcome to like what's probably one of the most controversial events in Buffy, the Willow forget spell. Oh. Uh, I yeah. mean, yeah, this yeah. is some heavy shit. <laughs> uh, and she does like you can tell Willow kind of does it casually. Like she's definitely not thinking about what the overall con- what what the moral. Re, like what's the morality of like erasing your girlfriend's memory she's just like i want to escape i want to escape this argument and i want to like feel better in the moment um which like for a hero is like really short-sighted thinking um. it's an amazing moment it's it's so interesting yeah i like it i mean they're really showing you know willow building towards a darker willow character but very gradually right? Like with some of her choices, like she's crossed some kind of threshold where magic can be done casually and then also for her own self-serving ends. But also, I mean, she uses magic, what, you know, three times in this episode, one to entertain others, one to help out, and then one for herself, right? Like just three Mm -hmm. times, right? Just three casual spells. Love it. Um, I'm excited about this direction for the show, actually. Um, and like, if it had just ended with Giles, uh, I guess, being the dad, and then you know Don pouting, and then maybe Don looking at her secret coin or whatever it is that she got that she stole from the magic shop, I'd be disappointed. This is an exciting uh, way to, to end this episode. Uh, really enjoyed that. Cool. Yeah, let's uh, move on to questions for the group. 
Questions for the group. All right, only dumb questions here. Um, <laughs> can Anya have a baby? I know she wants to have babies, obviously, at least two. Like, biologically, can she? Yes. Yeah, I think she's a human now. Yeah, I think, I mean, she, she's human. She talks about her short mortal coil. I, I, I assume that just means she's just fully human. Okay. Because I, I, I just want to make sure that that's, uh, that's true or not. Okay, cool. I, I, I assume that's a wonderful can... form of vengeance, demon, and I assume you'll have many years of non hell dimensional bliss. Yeah, I think she can have a baby. Okay, great. Uh, another question What is uh, Shiver Me Timbers? Shiver Me Timbers, excuse me. Uh, when Anya uh, refers to earlier in the episode, she says uh, Xander and I are going to hang out, and he's going to shiver me timbers. It's going to show me, or show me shiver me timbers. Shiver me. He's going to shiver me timbers, right? <laughs> show me a game called Shiver Me Timbers. Okay, it's the game is called Shiver Me Timbers. And Tara okay. says I'm not a big fan of the timber. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> joke. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> Obviously, it involves the penis. Okay, so it's a sexual game. <laughs> All right, but no guesses as to what this game is. I don't know what shivering you, is in this context. Uh, I think this is you, just pirate role play and like a funny name for a pirate role play scene. But yeah. the, the the you know Anya is so like uh, earnest <laughs> that I expect that this is a this is a regular occurrence and not uh, one night, you know, just on Halloween thing. Anyway. You guys don't want to explore this game, obviously. Well, what okay. it is. Would you would you prefer if you're gonna have a pirate sex game to call it Shiver Me Timbers or Walk the Plank? I'm surprised there's it's not like some obvious like find the pirate booty, something like that, you know? <laughs> I like that. Walk one. Walk the Plank's pretty I mean these are very different games. Shiver Me Timbers sounds like a lot of shaking around. A lot of jostling. <laughs> uh so did you guys ever egg houses or smash pumpkins? We didn't really prank. No, I don't think. I mean, definitely know. there's some irresponsible stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think we did any of that typical stuff. Yeah. Like toilet, toilet, TPing a house. God, think about TPing a house now. <laughs> <laughs> so irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When I was a kid, uh, my. The the pump the jack o' lanterns we put out would get stolen like every single year, and my mom one time got like mad enough about it. She put out like a sign in her front lawn, and then the next day, like um, a college kid came to the house and gave us like a pumpkin pie that they claimed they made with the pumpkin they stole. Wow! Yeah, that's a successful shaming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that's all the questions. Um, so for themes and deep stuff, I just wrote Willow Yikes. I feel like we've explored that, unless we have more to say. Uh, we well, I mean, it? the themes are definitely about, yeah, the maturity, right? Um, yeah. About, I'm about mature use of spells, spell casting, of, like, of power, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, like, the theme for this episode is, like, that, like, gang has all grown up and reached like the next stage of problems and they're like so different now from where we started in season one and two and willow hasn't learned morality somehow yeah that's interesting when you frame yeah. it like that because this feels like if you were to watch this as a first episode it feels like yeah i mean you've already stated this but you know don is kind of dealing with like a season one buffy problem and the rest of the gang are moved well beyond the scope of what this series like the initial like uh kind of pitch for what the show is like they move well yeah. beyond it <laughs> they're all like yeah you know dealing with adult magical problems but it's still magic oh yeah all supernatural based problems yeah you know for the willow issue i wish like we saw more like spells that like were like real nice like like they're definitely doing like a, a thing where willow's like addicted like like an alleg like some sort of allegorical thing like magic is a drug and she's kind of she's she's using but I, f I wish like we saw more like spells where willow's like that were like more fun or 
I feel like Willow's like half her half these spells are like work spells. You know what I mean? Like if you were like a uh like worked at a vineyard, you'd have to drink a certain amount of wine for work and you know you spit it out. It's like you drink wine all day. It's like I am the master vintner at this vineyard. I I'm not seeing the addiction metaphor yeah. playing out. I feel like it's about power, right? She's so powerful now. These things are casual to her. Right? It's about like her coming into her own power. I mean, that was that fight with Giles a few episodes ago, right? Where she says like, maybe I'm so powerful. Maybe you should stop what you say to me. Like, you know, like she's, she's reaching that stage of maturity. I don't, I'm not seeing addiction. Not to say that addiction doesn't play out later. Cause I bet it does, but I'm not, I'm not seeing that right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, do you guys want to move on to recommendations? Recommendations. All right. Uh, so because of Amber Tamblin, I'm going to recommend uh, her father's movie, West Side Story. Russ Tamblin's in that. Because um, that's also about oh, delinquent teenagers. And it's a musical to get us ready for next episode. Even though I think between, I think we're going to do the angel, some angel episodes in between, but, uh, you know, and I'm also going to recommend the grudge too, cause that's also Amber Tamblin. And I think that's fun. Cause of course, Sarah Michelle Geller is in the first grudge and by first grudge, I mean the American remake grudge. Um, I'm going to recommend war of the gargantuas, uh, which is also rest Tamblin. And I never miss an opportunity to recommend a <laughs> Kaiju film. Uh, you know, it's about two giant Frankensteins fighting, and it's always fun when there's like a weird American actor in the middle of this Japanese uh, scene, and it's Russ Tamblin. He invented the Frankenstein, maybe, um, because of uh, Anya's outfit, uh, which is referencing a very specific Charlie's Angels episode, Angels on Wheels. So we gotta drop that in there, and uh, then. Might as well recommend the roller derby exploitation movie Unholy Rollers, uh, <laughs> starring uh, Claudia Jennings from uh, such fame as Gatorbait and Playboy. <laughs> uh, it's a real solid uh, exploitation movie if you like that kind of thing. All right. Um, so John isn't here to do predictions, but we might as well just talk about them a little. Virgin Predictions. Uh, I looked through them for a second, and the only one I really found that I know you're going to get, even though we could make some stupid arguments about it, uh, Don will go on a date with a monster. Like, you totally get that. Um, yep, yep. Was that a super? That was a regular prediction? Uh, that looks like it was a regular, although we're, I'm not sure where it shows that. Um, okay, then we got to wait for John to to do his documentation. Yeah, you also have a, a, a super that's Don will become a slayer, and I mean she didn't become a slayer, but she did slay some vampire. She did slay a vampire, so we can at least make an argument about it. Um, so good job. Well, I've got some new predictions. I'll make them anyway, um, and then we'll just give all this work to John next time yeah. we get together. <laughs> uh, prediction one here. Um, I believe that the dragon coin that Don steals in this episode, so I'm just marking it, season six, episode six, is going to get Don into trouble. This coin got, gets a close-up. Look, if you're a supernatural object, you get a close-up. I better pay attention. Um, I believe that Tara will assist Dark Willow whenever Dark Willow emerges. Um, and that means his sister in some kind of spell. Uh, I'll just say in a spell. Without knowingly like unknowingly assisting an evil magician. Oh, um, unknowingly. I, so you're not seeing her becoming like the sidekick, like the Renfield? Like a, yeah, not like a willing. No. I see, let me just change that to unknowingly assist. Yeah, because I mean, obviously she can be manipulated. Tara is not as strong a wizard or witch as Willow, and so Willow's going to manipulate her, where she'll be unknowingly assisting in a spell with uh, terrible ramifications. But, I'm, but just saying the spell, not with terrible ramifications, just assisting the spell. 
Three, uh, Amy the Rat will stop Willow from performing a spell. I don't know what, but I'm excited for Amy the Rat to intervene somehow. In rat Maybe. form or human form? Like, the rat will jump in front of the spell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's, I, I think this is, this is close enough to being a prediction, for it to be a prediction. I, I get what you're saying. Like, go, go deeper, add more details. But Amy the Rat will <laughs> stop Willow from performing a spell. I don't want to. The rat's in the name, so she'll be in rat form then. Otherwise, you're just saying. Oh my gosh, you guys are being so cruel. Okay, so I'm going to say Amy will stop Willow from performing a spell. Amy, the rat. uh, What's her last name? I don't remember off the top of my head. She. Yeah. And I'm going to say as an addendum here, she may not be. She may or may not be in rat form as a head. Really taking a stance. You just told me she's going to be in human form when this happens, basically. So I just need to say Amy will stop Willow from forming a spell. Uh, she will not be in rat form. I feel like you could just say Amy will stop. Yeah, just Willow. say Amy will stop Willow from performing a spell. Okay. That's it. Everybody knows who I'm talking about when I say Amy. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tara will be unintentionally killed by Willow's magic. And then my super prediction is Tara will die in season six. I'm seeing the seeds of it right now in this mishandling of her. Like, it'll be devastating. I don't know what happens to Willow next season, but uh, she's going to kill, she's going to inadvertently kill Tara this season. That's like what it feels like. All right. Those sound like good predictions to me. Right or wrong, they're intense. All right. Well, I think that's the episode then. Uh, Thanks for coming. <laughs> uh, I've been Dennis St. John. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Dennis Comics. That's D E N I S C O M I X. That's my Twitter, my Instagram, and my dot com. Uh, and I make lots of monster comics. Um, Mike, where can people find your stuff? Oh, yep. I'm on YouTube. My channel is MP197400. I should change it, but I haven't. Yeah, there's some fun videos there. You guys should check them out if you haven't. Uh, Thank you, one and all, for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin. Don't forget to rate us and review us and subscribe and write comments. We love it. Uh, You can watch us on YouTube. Our Twitter is at Buffy Virgin Pod and our Instagram is Buffy Virgin uh, for monster drawings and stuff. Uh, You can also check us out at BuffyVirgin.com. Reach out. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll see you in hell.